Chapter 7 Back to Stratford William was missing Stratford more and more. After so many years, the excitement of London life had worn off. He visited his family as often as he could, but it wasn't enough. I want to be there when our daughters get married, he wrote to Anne, and I want to spend more time with you. In the meantime, however, the king's man needed a new play. He couldn't leave London just yet. For the next show, William created a magical romance called The Tempest. Set on an island haunted by strange spirits. There, in exile, live an old magician named Prospero and his daughter, Miranda. Prospero uses his magic to shipwreck a young prince who immediately falls in love with Miranda. Then, as a happy ending approaches, Prospero renounces magic and promises that he will destroy his magic staff and spell book. I'll break my stuff and, deeper than did ever plummet sound, I'll drown my book. Everyone was delighted with the new play except Richard, who knew what that speech meant. Prospero's farewell to magic. That's your farewell to writing, isn't it? He asked. Yes, it's time to retire, William replied quietly. I'm getting old. But we need you, Richard pleaded. No one else can write like you. The other actors joined in. No one wanted William to go. In the end, he agreed to work on three more plays with a young writer named John Fletcher, including a new drama about King Henry VIII to be staged at the Globe. It'll be wonderful, Richard said excitedly. No expense will be spared. We'll get grown embroidered customs for the kutches, and we'll fire real cannons to mark the entrance of the king. Unfortunately, as it turned out, the cannons were a disastrous idea. The globe was built of wood, and the galleries were thatched with straw. In dry weather, it was like a pile of kindling waiting for a flame. During a performance at the end of June, one cannon shot Wenastri, showering the roof with sparks. While everyone concentrated on the drama unfolding on stage, a tiny orange light began to flicker in the straw. Within minutes, huge flames were blowing across the thatched and leaking down the walls. The fire spread so fast, there was nothing anyone could do. The players watched helplessly as the flames devoured everything. One man's breeches even caught fire and had to 
be put out with beer. In less than an hour, the globe was a smoking ring. Well, at least no one was hurt, said Richard, and we can soon rebuild. William interrupted his old friend. I'm too old to start all over again, he said. This is it, Rich. I'm going home. This time, nobody could change William's mind. As soon as he had packed his bags and found himself a horse, he set out on the long ride back to Stratford. When his tired horse finally clopped up the road to new place, Anne and the girls rushed out to greet him. Soon he was sitting in the kitchen, laughing as they fussed over him. Judith brought him a mug of ale while and put away his things. And Susanna, who had married a local doctor, prudently introduced him to his new granddaughter, Elizabeth. It's good to be home, he sighed. Sadly, it was not to be a long retirement. Just three years later, William became ill. Fetch a lawyer, he told his wife as he lay in bed with fever. I want to make my, my will. I believe in you the second best bet, our marriage bet, to remember my bye. The best guest bet can go to Susanna. And Judith can have my big silver bowl. The lawyer came just in time. No long afterwards, William was dead. He was buried on one rainy April day in his local church, where Anna had a monument erected to his memory. It was a statue of her husband with an inscription comparing him to the great writers of the ancient Greek and Roman times. And it is still there today. As a further tribute, William's friends published the first collection of his plays, known as the First Folio, ensuring his name would live on as one of the most celebrated Playwrights of all time.